I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, defending World Series champion Cubs. Hi, I'm Ken. You might know me as Rice Cube. We are part of the World Series Dreaming Cubs community on the internets. And usually I do this with Andy or Ben, aka Behind the Ivy, or Anno Catuli, but it's a really weird week for me, so I have one of our former members. Well, actually, you're still a member. Uh, this is Dubinsky. Can we call you Mike, or should we just call you Dubinsky? It's fine. Either works. Uh, yeah. I've dropped the gnome to boom a while ago. <laughs> yep. So you all know him as Dubinsky. And Mike, of course, used to write for us quite a bit. Uh, nowadays, you know, we're not offended or anything. This is, after all, just a hobby for us. But you're writing for Cubs Den and Baseball Prospectus Wrigleyville Division. Yeah, occasionally. I, I've been known to, to throw a few words up there. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm mostly known for not writing, uh, I think, but, uh, well, you know, it, it's, it's tough to have a life and, you know, responsibility and stuff, but at least they pay you. We never paid you because we, we spoke, but it's all good, man. All right. <laughs> you know, every, every now and then Mike will write a few things for us, but, uh, you know, for the most part, we're just a hobby horse and we like just shooting the breeze, uh, specifically, about the Cubs. So, hey, man, how do you feel about the Cubs right now? Well, you know, it's it's tough to get too upset um, in a post-World Series, you know, Cubs season. Uh, but this is about as frustrating as it can be for a, uh, for a team that's just coming off a World Series win. Because you can see the talent. You, you, you see um, players who are really good and, and should be doing a lot better than they are and we're uh the cubs are at a 500 ish record and um you just really haven't seen them put it together like the runs that they went on consistently last year um so it, it's not panic but it's it's certainly frustrating well I, i'd like to call it annoying but you know like you said i'm I'm okay with this in a way. Like, I'm not okay with them losing, obviously, but I'm okay with the fact that they're going through the process. They seem to be taking their walks. They seem to be continuing to mess with the pitchers and, you know, drive up pitch counts, but they're not getting the big hit. And I think uh, Joe Madden alluded to that uh, in his postgame comments. He's saying, you know what, these guys are just trying to do too much. And I had written a blog kind of intimating that, like, just from my lying eyes. It seems like, you know, these are drivable pitches, and these these are things that you can line into the gap or whatever. But these guys are trying to hit it to the next state. And that's that's not the kind of approach that you want to see when, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah, the the, the run in, runners in scoring position – Quandary is certainly a problem. We, we saw that in, in 2015, um, and the, you know that was the whole reason they went out and got Ben Zobrist and Jason Hayward was to try to fix those issues because they get magnified in the postseason. And 
you know, right now it's it's even worse than 2015. The the, the difference between the overall production, which hasn't been great, um, you know, really, you know, you're looking at maybe two guys who are producing, you know, three, I guess, three guys who are probably, you know, three of the regular guys who are producing at kind of the level you expect in Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and I throw Ben Zobris in that mix too. Um, you know, but when it comes to those, those key spots, you know, that, that sequencing, which, um, you know, 15 years ago, uh, in the Sabre community, we used to say was, you know, completely random and would, would even out and a little hesitant to, to just say that this is just no noise and that this is just gonna sort itself out. Uh, because I do think you're right that there is some pressing that there is, Maybe perhaps a, a change in approach, especially here recently, um, where players maybe are feeling kind of that same frustration we are. But how you solve that um, is a bit of a mystery because you can't exactly go and replace, um, you know, guys like Wilson Contreras or you know Javi Baez or Chris Bryan and so on and so on. Right. And the interesting thing is these are the same guys. These are literally the same guys who won the World Series last year. We know they're good. And the, th- the other thing is they're so young. So, like, most of these guys are in their second or third year. And for Kyle Schwarber, this is his second full season. This is, like, his first full season because uh, his debut season, he only played half the year. But there's going to be an adjustment period, especially when you're young and when – you know, you, you haven't completely learned how to hit yet. We know you can hit, but you haven't learned how to be as selective as you want to be. And I think it, you know, coming off a season where you finally got the monkey off your back and we know you're good, we know that the front office has the backing of ownership behind it, we know that the manager has a lot of patience, we know that the guys on the team are hardworking and know that they're good, this is a good time as any to struggle, especially in a weak division where the Cubs, despite playing like pure crap, are only one and a half games out of first at the time of us talking. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the conversation is certainly different uh, around this team than than pretty much any other point I can remember in, in my lifetime where we're talking about a team that's played like pure crap and where we're talking about a team that's a game, game and a half out of first place. Uh, heading into June and his 500. I mean, I think, you know, for most of my life, this would be a, a, a you know, a, a good season. Um, it is just that those expectations are so high. And I do think you hit on a, a really important point about the young players. Um, during the rebuild, um, you know, Theo Epstein was very, uh, one of the various mantras we were hit with was about how progress wasn't linear. And, you know, what he was alluding to at the time was that, you know, there might be this tremendous jump, which, you know, we saw between 2014 and 2015. The, the, the flip side of that saying and the truth that, you know, was left sort of unsaid is, is that um, sometimes there's those steps back as well. And um, unfortunately, it seems like we're seeing that um, really kind of at the same time from a lot of these guys, um, the, the breakout from Addison Russell that, was much um, anticipated this off season doesn't appear to be happening yet. Um, you know, Albert Amora's, you know, a work in progress at the plate, um, you know, and it's, it's just, it's going to take some time, unfortunately. 
And here is the thing, like on Twitter today, like I, I had, we're both teachers, so we can't really like actively engage. But I did see in passing that someone said something to the tune of Kyle Schwarber should be in the minors. And I'm just like, you know, that's, that's maybe like a DEFCON 1 situation. Uh, you, you, I, I feel like he's got the right approach. It's, from my lying scout's eyes, it looks like he's just barely missing. He's on time, but his swing is such that he's missing pitches that he should otherwise be able to crush. Do, do, do you see something like that? Um, you know, as far as Schwarber goes, um, you know, it's a little bit – I see the approach as mostly good. It does feel like at times, though, he is kind of caught in between on, on some things. Uh, you mentioned, you know, that he's he's just missing, and it, it does feel sort of like, you know, the timing is just not there. And, you know, um, as much as, you know, it's frustrating, um, he is a, a key part of this lineup, um, especially moving forward with the way they want to build it. And, you know, going to the minors, you know, is is something where, you know, seeing that level of pitching doesn't really seem like it would be much to help him. And, you know, the, the thing that, you know, the front office has always commented on and always, you know, praised about, you know, Schwarber is, you know, is, is those sort of intangible things, that confidence, that swagger. Um, and so, you know, the reason to send him to the minors would be to sort of regain that, that feeling. And it doesn't seem, you know, for me on the outside looking in, like he's missing that element yet. So, um, you know, you know, we're, we're stuck in a point where it does seem like, you know, most of the, the numbers reflect um, you know, a good approach, you know, his, his strikeout rate isn't, you know, out of line with um, his career numbers. He's, he's taking his walks. Um, he's just, he's not getting, you know, those hits, um, you know, his, his batting average on balls in play is really low. You know, we, typically we look at that as a luck number, but that's also, you know, indicative of the, the quality of contact that he's making, which, which doesn't seem, um, nearly as high as what we've expected um, in his short but, uh, uh, you know, historic big league career so far. Uh, He's like breaking signs and landing baseballs on scoreboards, so we know what he is capable of. And I I feel like a lot of fans are really knee-jerk, and the other thing to understand is, well, if you're going to send him to the minors, who are you calling up? Because... Guys who are super good, like Eli Jimenez, are way too far away. Uh, Ian Happ's already up, and he's struggling. We can talk about him next. Uh, you know, Jamer Candelario, when he was up, he was struggling as well. So you gotta play the guys that you have. These are the same guys you took to the World Series, to took us to the World Series. So a little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Got to put in a little bit of trust with them. Yeah, no, I agree, and and maybe that's sort of a a, a less talked about story with the the calling of uh, Ian Happ up to the big leagues is you you've kind of called up your your bullet here, 
Uh, you know, last year they had Wilson Contreras, you know, a knock on the door. Ian Happ was that guy. Um, you know, there, there, there's not really a, another big time guy to come, you know, up. I mean, we've got Tommy Listella down in the minors right now, and he probably should be here. But, you know, if you're really expecting Tommy Listella to replicate the production you're, you're, you're counting on from Kyle Schwarber, you're going to be sadly disappointed. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck in a, in a point here, at least with the lineup, where you, you, you really, it, it's going to come down to the guys that are here who are very talented, producing like they have, um, or are expected based upon their career or, um, you know, just talent level. Yeah, I, I'm just happy that they won last year because otherwise the I imagine Facebook and Twitter and every single blog would be intolerable right about now. And already it's kind of irritating. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think for, I mean, I, you know, we can talk about the, the, the general state of the fan base is, is one thing, but just even personally, um, you know, there's a, there's a level of calm here. Um, that's only possible because we're talking about a, you know, a post championship season, you know, something that, you know, was, was not expected. Um, well, I guess it was expected, but until it happened, um, it it was still hard to, to really process. Um, now in this season, I mean, uh, I've said before, you know, I'm greedy. I want a dynasty. I want to make up for the you know few decades i put in prior but it's uh it, it certainly would be a, a a vastly different conversation if a few balls bounce a different way uh in that world series or even prior um in the national league playoffs uh i i guess the fact is we have 112 games including like we are on tuesday and the san diego series ends on wednesday so after that it'll be exactly 110 games after san diego and that means the cubs haven't even played a third of the season yet so there's there's plenty of time for them to fix this and even last year like you know we weren't freaking out as much because what when they were having that ridiculous slump that everybody was freaking out about they were still five and a half games up on the division like this year they're a game and a half back of Milwaukee so it's like we're probably not going to see Milwaukee Brewers at least not this year be the National League the uh, Central Champions so we don't have to freak out about that and. I, I feel like a lot of people aren't think, seeing the long game like the Cubs are. Obviously, they need to adjust, and they're working hard to do it. Uh, they need to stop pressing so much, probably. They need to just find some way to get those clutch hits, even with the randomness of baseball. But we can be fairly confident that they could figure this out. So I, I think if you think of baseball as just – a larger entity than one week of worth of games. It, it, it should calm you, but a lot of people have the American football mentality where it's like, you know, one week changes the narrative and the next week switches it right back. Right. I mean, I mean ultimately we're, we're waiting for this team to break out. The, the, this team is too talented not to have um, a, a prolonged, 
you know, uh, weeks of, of good, hot play. Um, there's going to be a stretch where this team looks like the team we expected. The problem is, is we're looking uh, at the, the number of losses that this team has banked is, is piling up. Um, thankfully, um, the Brewers haven't gotten off to the start like the Colorado Rockies have, uh, you know, where the, the team is substantially behind. I mean, the Cubs are still right in the middle of it. Um, but ultimately, you know, you, you expect these guys to hit. And, you know, whether there is something with, you know, them pressing too much, you know, the approach being incorrect, which seems like a – doesn't seem like the likely theory because, again, most of the lineup is exactly the same as last year that did produce so well in those situations, um, that, that this team is going to rebound. And it's going to be at least in the middle of, of uh, a division chase, a chase for a playoff spot. Um, the one, I think, legitimate concern is probably around the starting rotation. Um, as we're still wait, we're seeing um, a lot of innings um, that have taken their, their wear and tear on an older, more veteran pitching staff. But... Um, it really does seem like that this is just too good of a roster to not finish the year with, you know, north of 90 wins. And more often than not, that's going to get you in the in the playoffs and then anything can happen, as we've seen so many times. Indeed. Let's talk about the gentleman who's slumping right now uh, and Ian Happ. Uh, he hasn't played over the past couple of games. He did pinch hit for Ben Zobris because they were concerned about his wrist, but Zobris is in the lineup Tuesday night, so obviously not one of those situations where you're afraid he's going to go on the disabled list. But the league adjusted him super quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, something that I, I think has been, well, perhaps not talked about enough is, you know, that the the strikeouts were going to be part of the in-haps game. Um, you know, that was a concern coming out of college was, uh, you know, just the the number of of, of strikeouts that he, he had. Um, you, know, you, you saw that, I mean, not, you know, horrible numbers in the minors, but, um, you know, there was, you know, a little bit of, of concern in that area. Um, you know, it's a little less or so because of the power, because of, you know, his command of the strike zone with walks, but uh, pitchers found a way to pitch to him really quickly. And, and that's kind of the modern game here. Um, it does seem like, as many people have noted, that it is the high fastball uh, that has been his weakness. And we're, we're waiting for Ian Happ to adjust to that. Um, whether that's something that can happen right now in the big leagues is something of an open question. It does seem like Madden's approach is going has shifted to maybe more the treatment that Alberto Moore has received this year and you know Baez earlier, where you know perhaps shielding him from matchups, you know trying to get him in uh, positive situations where he's facing pitchers with uh, a greater degree of success than just throwing him out there every day to go get it, but. Um, you know, whether or not Ian Happ is here to stay is, is a bit of an open question right now. 
Yeah, because earlier we had talked about Tommy Lestella. Lestella obviously can have hit for contact. Uh, he's not super powerful. He's kind of like a little guy. But, um, you know, if you're going to get a bench bat and you know the guy is going to be benched anyway, why not switch him back? The uh, flip side is, like, maybe he's with at the big leagues with a lot better video equipment. He can see what's going on with the swing. He can talk to John Maley and Hinsky about fixing his swing, making some minor mechanical fixes and whatnot. So there, there's like a benefit both ways. Like, do you want him to play every day? Okay, put him back in Iowa or let him struggle at the big league level. Do you want him to learn? Now he's surrounded by veterans and also guys who have been in in the thick of things. So maybe that's a benefit as well. You you want to keep him up there just to show him, one, you haven't lost confidence in him, and two, he is there to learn. Like, there's no pressure right now. Right. I mean, and I, that – this this environment of of the Chicago Cubs with you know a very young lineup overall, but uh, a playoff championship tested lineup, um, you know, bringing him into that environment was certainly part of the initial call up. Um, and as most people have noted, you know, Ian Happ really forced the Cubs' hands as being one of the few guys who was really hitting the ball for the first week or so he was with the team. Um, you know, uh, Hap's, you know, emergence is what allowed, you know, Madden to move Zobrist out of protecting Anthony Rizzo up to the leadoff spot, which um, does seem to help uh, the lineup overall. But um, as we talked about, you know, hitter uh, pitchers, you know, with all that advanced scouting, they, they adjust quickly. Um, and any, you know, mistake big league pitchers are going to exploit mercilessly until you can adjust and i'm not sure if that's a mechanical change that needs to happen an approach change um this is you know not a scout you know time for me but um you know the the question does become you know what is the best um approach with ian hap here um and that's that fine balancing act that the cubs are going to have to be weighing hopefully for the next five years between player development at the big league level and trying to win um, every year possible uh, while you have this core together. Um, You mentioned Tommy LaStella and, you know, Tommy LaStella, it certainly makes way more sense as a bench bat. Um, He certainly is a guy who is going to be helpful to the roster. We will see him again at some point. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, because uh, he definitely fits a need, and you know the approach, the the bat to ball skills are are all you know things you want on a on a big league roster. Uh, it's just the the numbers game squeezing him out. So, um, the the Cubs have some some really tough questions to answer here about you know what is the best balance of of roster here as they're trying to break out of this funk that they've seemed to have been in for at least the past, uh, well, four days since they left, you know, Wrigley Field. Yep. And the interesting thing is, uh, if you think about it, there's no way the Cubs are a seller because their players are so young and cost-controlled and the fact that they're in a division where it's projected that everybody who is not the Cubs is probably going to suck. So there, there's no 
reason to think that they're getting rid of any of these players. At the same time, uh, if you think about their need in the rotation, the fact that after this year you only have Kyle Hendricks and John Lester who you can quote-unquote trust, and then three other guys are up for grabs because Lackey's probably either gone or retired. Jake Arrieta is most likely gone. Uh, You can't trust anybody in the fifth uh, starter spot yet, so they have to try to find a way to acquire pitching, and that makes me think Ian Happ or even Jamer Candelario is going to be a trade chip. Oh, and, certainly. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think the the Cubs would love to be able to to move Candelario um, for pitching. You know, the problem is is the it's it's the type of pitcher you're looking back for. Um, I mean, because if you're talking about just a guy who can take the ball every five days and you can count on for next year as you're trying to plug potentially three holes in the rod and three holes in the rotation, you know, that that's a guy where maybe you know, you're talking about trading Condelario. If you're talking about acquiring a guy to take the ball in a playoff series, um, the, the, the level of prospect you're giving up has going up. And then you're talking about, you know, Hap or Jimenez right? Um, and those sort of players. Um, it's going to be painful, think, yeah. Uh, if the package of players that you were giving up from your team is something you wouldn't even, like, hesitate or, or worry about giving up, well, then that's probably not enough for the other side to, to give up their their impact, you know, pitcher, their impact talent. Um, and so it's going to be a situation where if you're talking about an elite, you know, pitcher, um, a, a guy who's going to make a difference in a postseason series, you're going to talk about a guy like Torres, who we're probably, you know, is, you know, the Cubs are probably going to regret in some sense giving up, um, you know, that, that regret is, you know, lessened because uh, flags fly forever, but, uh, you know, Torres is, looks every bit the, the solid big league player so far. So it's going to take that level of, of prospect to get a guy who you're going to feel comfortable giving the ball um, and hopefully uh, the National League Division Series of 2017. Right, I do agree. And I think the Cubs are in a situation where everybody knows that they're going to probably try to trade for for pitching because the offseason coming up, the – Pitching options don't seem all that appetizing, and the two pitchers who you think would opt out, Len Tanaka and Cueto, aren't doing so hot either. So counting on those two to opt out and then throwing gobs of money at them doesn't seem like a good idea, and it's going to be interesting like what they decide to do because there are so many options for the Cubs open at this point like they could wait and see if they could develop a guy in the house and hope that eddie butler is okay alec mills is okay mike montgomery is okay and that anderson finally gets healthy and is as okay as we've seen him be right yeah but uh yeah go ahead no um yeah no i mean ultimately you know the, the cubs approach has been you know uh you know spending money on the starting rotation and as much as we've uh expected the cubs to be able to print money moving forward hopefully with a, a tv deal 
um, and, and all of the other um, things that have gone on to should increase the revenue of the Chicago Cubs. You know, the fact is, is that uh, the Cubs have spent a, a greater percentage on their starting rotation than basically all of the other teams in Major League Baseball up to this point in time. And the reason that they've been able to do that and be successful is that they have lots of really cheap, super talented hitters. And if you keep those super talented hitters, they're not going to be cheap moving forward. And so the ability for the Cubs to spend 20, 25, 30 million per year on starting pitchers, uh, I think that that window is, is closing as you have to start paying for Bryant and Russell and, and all of those other hitters. So it is going to be, um, interesting to see how they approach this year. Um, whether it is going to be more about acquiring a pitcher that, um, makes it so they don't have to go out and buy two or three arms in, in the off season. Um, or if it's going to be more about getting that, um, guy to pair with John Lester and whoever else you can count on in a playoff series right now, because it is a bit of an open question of who you can put uh, behind Lester in a, in a postseason um, in a short series. So uh, that, that is probably the biggest question about as far as the, what the front office is going to do um, up until uh, before the deadline. Yeah. And I believe that they are going to do something. They've, uh, obviously identify pitching as a major need. They've conceded the fact that they haven't been able to develop a good pitcher on their own and have to go outside the organization to acquire pitching, even with like a Kyle Hendricks or Jake Arrieta, they had to go outside and grab someone in trade. So that's something that they definitely will look at, and I don't think they're going to be complacent about it. And when they do something, I feel like most of us will – be shocked, but will be also be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the big questions I had, um, you know, I, I was very much a fan of this front office from the very beginning. Uh, but one of the few doubts I had was about their willingness to pull the trigger on that big deal when it was time to, to go all in. And, and last year, to me at least, that really answered um, whether they would be willing to to move that elite prospect at the deadline to get that impact talent. And so if you see this team um, go on a run and in a position, which you know, I think is the expectation still, despite the annoying level of play up to this point in time, that they won't hesitate to make a deal that is going to hurt, but makes sense and puts this team in a position to be that rare uh, major league team to repeat championships, which is so exceptionally difficult in this sport. All right. And I think uh, we could take a break now to, to welcome our guest, Ryan Davis. We'll be right back after the segment. More than just a game. Yeah, we kind of told you that we were going to have Ryan on the streamcast, and then we realized, hey, between Dubinsky and myself, we went almost an hour. So instead of having you 
listen to an entire hour and a half or two hours worth of podcast at once, we'll split it into side A and side B. So if you want to hear our interview with Ryan Davis, please go to side B, which you'll find in the blog, the show notes, and it's it's kind of right there. You'll see it. See you in a bit. The love affair with us is quite a romance, but until now the story stayed the same. But you changed the script, so we celebrate together. With Rice and Dabinsky. So we had just talked to Ryan Davis, and we are now going to talk about something generally baseball y. You did see what happened with Bryce Harper and Hunter Strickland on Monday Monday afternoon, correct? Yes, uh, I had a chance to, to see the highlights uh, and the, the much talked about Buster Posey not uh, intervening at all. Um, yeah, it, around it was uh, momentarily amusing, and obviously you saw all the memes on Twitter with Bryce Harper's golden mane and, you know, the prom photo with him and Zimmerman. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, all that was well done. Yeah. The Johnny Bravo, <laughs> and, I think, was one of my favorites. <laughs> and I, I feel like like when they got Strickland back to the clubhouse, they tied him down. Like, you, you remember that scene in Full Metal Jacket, right? When Gomer Pyle was sleeping and they wrapped him in the blanket and they started beating him with the sock. Because that was just uncalled for, man. Like, there is absolutely no reason to throw throw at him on purpose. And unfortunately, you could argue it any which way, but, like, most of the baseball community was 99.9% certain that that was a purpose pitch. Yeah, no, it it, it seems... um... I think you and I are, are fairly close in, in agreement on, on this issue, but, uh, you know, with, you know, pitchers with, you know, uh, a hard projectile that, you know, a guy like Hunter Strickland can throw in the upper nineties, um, you know, that's, that's a really serious thing that needs to be, uh, into that, that needs to be monitored that, that really can't be allowed. Um, you know, Bryce Harper is, you know, amongst the transcendent talents in the game and the, the possibility of losing him because, um, I mean, as best I can tell from, you know, reading things online that you know, Hunter Strickland was mad that he got shown up a few years ago in a postseason series against Bryce Harper when when Harper hit some, you know, mammoth, you know, home run off of him. Um you know, that's just an unacceptable situation. Um, you know, that, that's, um, that can't just be allowed. Um, and baseball really hasn't come up with a, a good way of, of preventing that at this point in time. The, you know, the punishments handed out to pitchers typically result in minimal impact on the pitcher in question, the team in question. Um, and so you leave the hitters kind of in a situation where, um, you know, the, the amount of punishment that they, they receive seems disproportionate um, to the person who's probably instigating this, you know, nine times out of ten. Okay. So at press time, we had learned that 
uh, Bryce Harper got a four-game suspension, and Hunter Strickland got six games. And it's kind of uh, appropriate that they were playing the Giants, the Nationals were playing the Giants, because one of the Giants bloggers, Grant Brisby, I'm sure you all have heard of him. You can follow him at, at, Mc, at McCovey Cron, and we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, he wrote an article back uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, there, there was a situation, let's say, between the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles where Manny Machado made a hard slide, a legal slide, mind you, but a hard slide into second base and momentarily injured uh, Dustin Pedroia. Pedroia wasn't like DL'd or anything. He got cut up a little bit, but he was fine. And I think they understood that it wasn't intended. It was just a tough play. But then you get into all those unwritten rules. And this article, the unwritten rules of Manny Machado, kindly pointing out that he could murder Chris Sale, is really, really good. And I recommend that a lot of you read it. Because for something like six games after that, uh, they just kept throwing at Manny Machado, and finally, like he took one. It, it was either right off his helmet or very close to his head, and Manny Machado went off uh, post game. And I, I can read you the quote, and uh, I'll, I'll try to be cleaner than what he said. You ready for this? I'm sure. This is great. Okay, if you are going to expletive hit me hit me go ahead expletive hit me don't let this expletive keep lingering you can put in your own explosives by the way expletive around and keep trying to hit people it's expletive expletive holy expletive it's expletive expletive mamma please should do something about it they're not uh you have pitchers out there with expletive balls in their hands throwing 100 miles per hour trying to hit people i've got an expletive bat too I could go up there and crush somebody if I wanted to. But you know what? I'll get suspended for a year, and the pitchers only get suspended for two games. And that gets into why, like, guys like Bryce Harper can't, like, this is unfortunate. They can't just, you know, suck it up and move to first base and hope that the umpire ejects the player and that the league does something. They got to try to send a message and say, you know what, this is not cool. You have a ball in your hand that could potentially end my career. It could break my eye socket. It could crush my nose. It could hit me in the neck. It could do a number of things that could jeopardize my career, and well, I, I can't do anything. Well, I, mean, I can't do anything about it. Well, I mean, and not to get dramatic, but, I mean, people have died playing this game, getting struck by a ball. Now, granted, that was before, you know, batting helmets, but we're also talking about a time before, you, you know, you're dealing with multiple pitchers capable of throwing a baseball 100 miles an hour. So, you know, it, the, the, the consequences to the batter are certainly severe. And um, I think that's why both of us are in the very strongly opposed to, you know, hitting guys with a baseball, even those who do it in quote unquote the right way by hitting someone, you know, in basically the butt or, you know, uh, in the meaty parts there. Uh, where, you know, the, the damage is not going to be so severe um, is that, you know, pitchers don't have that level of control. And so, uh, you know, the, the potential to alter someone's career and 
know, uh, uh, some of it also does matter about, you know, the type of player we're talking about. I mean, uh, you know, love him or hate him, you know, Bryce Harper is this sort of uh, transcendent talent. This, you know, um, he's a guy who is fun to watch because he is special in terms of his talent level and the thought of his you know, career being shortened because of some of this stuff is, is something that at least I can't stomach. Um, yeah, and if you kind of think about it, monetarily speaking, everybody cares about Bryce Harper in one way or another, like whether they love him or hate him or, you know, watch his commercials or whatever. But who cares about Hunter Strickland? And that's like the, I guess, the cowardly part of it is – for some managers who want to send a message, they're going to put like a no-name uh, reliever that they know that they don't care if they gets tossed, and they're going to let him do the headhunting. And again, if you use the excuse of, well, it just got away, well, I'm trying to aim for his butt, but what if it gets away for real and hits him in the head? Now what, right? Yeah. And the other, other thing is like – I don't understand how you you can punish them so so equally in the way. Like with Hunter Strickland with the six game suspension, he's only gonna miss maybe three games as a reliever and even then he's he's not gonna be used that much because honestly he's just not that good. Right. I mean I mean the 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 consequence um you know, the, the consequence isn't more for Hunter Strickland. It's more that the Giants will be down that that pitcher during this time. Um, so it's more of a, a team consequence than than anything, uh, you know, directed at Hunter Strickland. Right. And the thing is, for me, until Major League Baseball and the union decide to do something about it, it's going to take – somebody like uh, a player who's just so riddled with testosterone he's pissed off he he's obviously super angry and pumped up and adrenaline filled he's going to take his bat and shatter somebody's kneecap or maybe bust someone's skull in because he's not thinking at the moment and you don't want to get let, let it get to that point before MLB actually does something. Just show them that, you know what, if I'm going to suspend somebody for 80 games because they took a steroid, why am I not doing the same for what is essentially assault? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it, it's either that or, unfortunately, you know, the track record of MLB is that it's going to take someone getting hurt. And whether that's the – batter, you know, physically retaliating in such a way that, you know, provokes a serious injury or a batter being seriously hurt in one of these unwritten rule sort of fights or something even dumber like the the Hunter Strickland thing seems to be done, uh, seems to be where he, it appears like he's acting completely on his own and sort of settling a score for him personally um, and not anything related to the team. Um, but that uh, a serious, you know, a, a player gets hurt um, and affects the course of a, a season, potentially a career. I mean, uh, you know, the the catcher collision rules doesn't come into place until you know a player of Buster Posey's talent level gets hurt. Um, 
as opposed to the numerous other catchers throughout the history of the game who have gotten hurt, but perhaps weren't that, you know, uh, face of the game level talent. So um, that's a little worrisome. And the, the other aspect of it too is, is also just generally the way in which, you know, it's been handled. The, the discretion that's been given to umpires doesn't seem to get used um, perhaps as much as perhaps it should, um, you know, typically even in situations where it's very clear that, um, you know, a guy is throwing intentionally, that tends to lead to a warning being issued. And so it, it prevents any sort of evening of the score, which, you know, you don't want to see, but it, it seems to uh, incentivize, you know, the, the first strike. Um, and doesn't seem to prevent this from happening in the beginning, which is what I think ultimately all fans would like to see. Yeah, just stop it before it even starts. Right. Yeah, and we we had talked about Buster Posey. Obviously, he got slammed in by, was it Chris Coughlin? No, it wasn't Chris Coughlin that time. It was another Marlin that slammed into him, Scott Cousins. Yeah. Uh, and he shattered his ankle and was out, out for the year. Uh, the other rule was that kind of pissed off the Cubs fans a couple of weeks ago was the Chase Utley rule because Utley like killed Ruben Tejada was sliding right. into into second base, broke his leg. So now you can't overslide second anymore. So some of these rules do make sense. Like you you would like to have them, you know, have some some discretion there, but uh, the rules are designed to protect players. Why not set up a rule to protect your batter? And I- I'm glad we're talking about Buster Posey because you notice that he was just standing there. He didn't want anything to do with that fight. And that that was kind of hilarious and actually appropriate. I'm on Buster Posey's side. Why should I get myself involved? Because my... Uh, my battery mate was a dumbass. Right. I mean, and not only that, I mean, just a, a level of, of, of self-preservation, uh, you know, t- dealing with uh, two guys who are, are bigger than him. Uh, you know, you don't want to get into that whole aspect. But, I mean, you're also talking about a guy who clearly is the, the Giants' best player, has had injury his, injury history before has just come back from an injury relatively recently. Um, And you've got, you know, this teammate who's, you know, I mean, ultimately, I mean, again, we will never, I guess, probably know exactly what Hunter Strickland was was thinking, but by all indications seems to be uh, acting on his own um, and, you know, basically settling a score from a couple years ago and a personal matter and has nothing to do with what's going on with the team at that moment. Um, you know, why, why should he put himself in, in that uh, position? Now, of course, you know, you get all the various takes and the, the needs, uh, you know, uh, the, the sense of team and, you know, supporting, you know, our guys, no matter what, but, you know, the reality is, is that everyone has knows that, you know, when you're a, a, a talent so far beyond everyone else, you know, kind of the the rules are a little bit different. Uh, yeah, and the other know. thing to understand is, like, if you're doing this on written rule, and it's kind of annoying that nobody writes this down, so we don't know for sure, but uh, 
if Bryce Harper's getting hit, guess who's getting hit in retaliation? It's going to oh. be Buster Posey. Oh, exactly. I and mean, he, I... you know, when he's at the plate, he doesn't get all his pads or anything. It's just him. So now I got to take one in the butt or possibly in the elbow. It might break my arm. It might break me in the face. For this guy, of course I'm not jumping in. Screw that guy, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I think um, I think a lot of us um, can feel sympathy for, for Buster Posey in this sense. Now, that's not uh, not going to prevent, and I've already seen plenty of, of online takes about how uh, you know, Posey was a bad teammate for, for not doing this, not doing his job as a catcher, uh, you know, saving his pitcher from a very uh, strong man in Bryce Harper coming at him um, in any sort of way. But uh, I think we both feel the same in that, um, you know, Hunter Strickland basically, uh, you know, had what was coming to him at that point and that it really wasn't on Buster Posey to prevent that. And, uh, you know, in any sense of the team, you know, if the Giants are going to somehow turn this around, it's going to involve Buster Posey being healthy, being good, um, and risking injury either in the sense of, you know, drawing retaliation um, from, you know, uh, the Hunter Strickland pitch or getting hurt in some sort of scrum trying to save Hunter Strickland ultimately is going to be detrimental to the Giants' chances, what little might be left of those. Yeah, and I, I don't know what MLB is going to do. They'll take them forever to figure something out. But this last uh, penalty was annoying. And and to be honest, I hope Bryce Harper wins his appeal and Hunter Strickland gets, like, extra games because there, there's no room for that. Like, if, if you hit a guy with a baseball, nobody's going to arrest you. But if Bryce like Bryce Harper decides to open up Hunter Strickland's head with his bat, he's going to jail for life. So that, that there's no comparison here. There's no way for the batter to protect himself in that context, and something needs to be done. And I, on that, I think we both agree. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing with, with Harper is perhaps the helmet toss um, kind of complicates it. I mean, it, it, it's hard not to feel sympathy for – uh, Harper, you know, in that moment, um, obviously, you know, anger involved in, you know, a competitive guy getting, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, <laughs> life-changing event, you know, <laughs> with with Hunter Strickland throwing at him. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, you hope that the that that baseball is going to finally come up with some sort of of punishment that's going to prevent this from happening again. Yeah, I'm just really surprised that the players association never decided anything about it because it it seems like a lot of the hitters have the attitude of Manny Machado or Bryce Harper where hey, there's absolutely no way I could protect myself. I got to do something and I you know, maybe next time it, uh, a punch, uh, a la Jose Bautista and Rugnet Odor, happens, and someone's face actually gets broken. And then, what are you going to do? How are you going to, uh, you know, legislate these brawls and try to make it so you prevent them from even happening in the first place? One last thing: uh, 
in the benches clearing incident, you kind of saw what Madison Bumgarner did, right? I actually didn't catch that part of it. Uh, you'll have to fill me in. Okay. Yeah, so you, you know that he kind of killed his shoulder on that stupid motorcycle yeah. accident. Yeah. And so he's on the DL, right? right. And uh, it, it was just so dejected. He was like, oh, man, everybody's going out to the field, and I can't do anything. So he just kind of stayed in the dugout and apparently eventually just went into the clubhouse. <laughs> so it, it was like the saddest <laughs> gif ever. Well, yeah, no, that, that would have been funny to see. Uh, I had read about Hunter Pence, who's also on the DL, um, you know, possibly facing punishment because he did go out onto the field, which is, of course, against the rules. But actually, I mean, by all, you know, the video, uh, you know, wasn't actually involved in the brawl, was actually trying to, you know, separate guys, trying to, you know, prevent this from getting out of the way, but, you know, potentially is going to face, uh, you know, some punishment because, you know, he did violate the the letter of the law there. Do you happen to remember what uh, – I, I feel like it's a hamstring injury, but I, I don't remember how, why Pence was yeah, on the I, deal. I'm off the top of my head, I don't, I don't recall, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's already hurt, and he's trying to push back his teammate who's, like, shoving a hand in his face. That deserves a beatdown, in my opinion. Like, I don't know what happens behind closed doors because that's the player's arena, and they, you know, pretty much govern themselves. But I feel like – you know, there should be a communal ass-kicking of Hunter Strickland. You know, to be a fly on the wall on that kangaroo court, um, I would pay quite a bit of money, to be honest. Um, yeah. Maybe a source, a quote source, will uh, leak some details for us and we'll, we'll get some popcorn material. Was it Jeff Samarja who, in, in that brawl, also happened to, like, strike one of his own teammates? I think I, I saw something to that effect as well I, or something. Yeah, Jeff Samarja ran full speed into Mike Morse, and they bounced off each other and completely missed Harper. Okay. And the kind of the cool thing is, like, Harper stayed on his feet in the entire thing, so he was never brought to the ground, and he he took he caught a hand to the face from Strickland. And you know, we're we're not trying to celebrate fighting, but you know, we're only human and we like blood sports, so what what you gonna do, right? But that that was kinda cool. Like he's a tough dude. Uh he they might punch and fight like pansies, but they they are very strong and you know, if something lands, like you saw Strickland fall back when he caught a hand from from Harper and it it's got to yeah. hurt. Like, you, you try to be as tough as you can. You try to put up a tough face. But, yeah, man, that, that's a first. I mean, we, we, <laughs> we can laugh and joke about the, you know, athletic prowess of some, you know, big league players. You know, Bartolo Colon uh, comes to mind immediately. But uh, Bryce Harper's not a, not a dude I'd want to tangle with anytime soon. <laughs> he, he's a pretty strong guy. We can tell because of all those uh, awesome highlights he puts up almost on a daily basis. Indeed. And that, that's that's why I, I hope that, you know, MLB kind of comes to their senses and either reduces his, his sentence to two games or even none because, well, yeah, he retaliated, but what are you going to do? Just come to your senses, uh, reduce his sentence, raise Strickland's because, like, 
you know, it's not that two wrongs make a right, but one of the wrongs was definitely more wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately, it just seems like the precedent with with MLB is is that it's going to take someone getting hurt before you see um, any real change, um, and and not just anyone getting hurt either. Someone getting hurt in a big situation, like you mentioned with the Chase Utley rule occurring in the postseason, and you know, completely shifting that, that playoff series perhaps. Uh, and, uh, you know, or something like the Buster Posey rule where you're talking about an elite player. Um, it, it just seems like it takes that event to happen where baseball is, is very reactive, um, to, to these events, to these problems, which have long been going on. And to your question about, you know, a question about, you know, why don't the players get involved? It does seem like oftentimes inertia is, you know, the most powerful force where, you know, players are, are reluctant to change the game more often than not. Um, at least in terms of taking things out of their hands. Indeed. I feel like we had a pretty good dream cast this time around uh like to thank you mike for stepping in for our normal co-hosts so yeah, yeah we should totally do this again like you're always been a part of the world series dreaming yeah. family even though you're hashtag big time now uh yeah uh we'll, we'll go with that hashtag medium yeah, time yeah <laughs> uh, medium big, time big fish in little uh, pond is, has usually been uh, my biggest claim to fame um no, no, it's it's a lot of fun to just interact with all the different personalities on Cubs Twitter and baseball Twitter. So, you know, you're always welcome to come come back yeah, by you. and you know, yeah, write write we, something. We, 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 uh, I I know I know so like most of the stuff that you do is analytical. That does belong on like you know BP Wrigleyville and whatnot. Like we're more of a goofy site, so. Oh. If you ever find something goofy, come oh, on. Oh, no. I, goofy definitely feels on brand for me, and uh, we, we certainly don't talk uh, enough. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to come and uh, and hang out with you guys again. Well, you know, summer break's coming up, and we're teachers. Unless you're teaching summer school, I think we got at least a month off. Thank so you. plenty of time, man. Right. Plenty of time. Uh, we'd like to thank Ryan Davis for coming by and talking baseball with us. Uh, thanks to Rich Deanna for our theme song and Randall Sanders for clipping that final out sound bit from the radio for us. We can never, ever get tired of that. <laughs> All right. And until next time, thank you for listening to Dreamcast. You can find us at WorldSeriesDreaming.com and O's official World Series Dreaming Twitter is at WSDreaming underscore Cubs. I'm Ken at Cubic Snarconia and Dubinsky. What's your handle? Uh, well, Dubinsky. Uh, that's uh, D-A-B-Y-N-S-K-Y. Dubinsky. Just put, just put an at sign in front of that. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, of course, and Please send in your questions. Like you, even you can send in a joke email, and probably okay. Ben will will send you like a random bobblehead. Okay. World Series Dreaming at gmail.com. We I we need more. Bobbleheads. 
Yeah, we we definitely need more input from the gallery because somebody's listening to this thing. You're just not sending in stuff. And, you know, considering we're putting this out for you for free, even if it does suck, I think it's the least you could do. Send in some emails, guys. You can certainly get what you pay for. And until next time, thank you again for listening to Dreamcast. Go Cubs. It was more than just a game.